The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is The Conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. So today for my listeners, I have Dr. Ty and Courtney Caldwell here. They're the co-founders of ShareShare, the first on-demand salon and barbershop space rental app. They have been recognized as tech visionaries and industry pioneers. The Caldwell's mission is to help fellow beauty and barbering professionals around the world maximize their earnings potential. ShareShare is the first Texas startup to win Google Demo Day. L'Oreal Women in Digital Next Generation Award and Tech Company Startup of the Year. That was a mouthful. (laughs) The Caldwell's work has been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Fast Company, Forbes, Black Enterprise, Modern Salon, and Salon Today. They are alums of YC Fellowship and 500 Startups, two world-renowned programs for creating top-end entrepreneurs. Now, interestingly, Dr. Tai is a 26-year industry veteran, master barber stylist, and salon and barbershop owner. Mrs. Caldwell, Courtney Caldwell, is named as Inc. Magazine's 2019 Female Founders 100 and the 2017 L'Oreal Women in Digital Next Generation Award winner. What a powerhouse couple. And Together, they empower industry professionals and help keep our small businesses open, which I love. So today, I have them on the Culture Factor. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're so good. It's a beautiful day here in Dallas, Texas. So we're, again, just happy to be on with you, Holly. Excellent. So I met um, Ty and Courtney through Backstage Capital. I had interviewed Arlen Hamilton, and she is the VC founder that was behind them. And um, I asked if I could feature their founder story because I thought they were pretty special, and so did Arlen. She's amazing. So we love. Yeah. Her. So <laughs> yeah, she's wonderful. So wonderful. It's so lovely to to talk and listen to. She just has this like very calming cadence about her. I really loved it. Yeah. So let's go into the backstory a little bit because obviously I've told you all how amazing they are, and we probably could just drop the mic and be done now. But I think it would be probably more interested. Uh, you'd be more interested in hearing their backstory. You know, it's it, it's not often that you meet married co-founders. I think that in itself is pretty interesting. So um, while I have this noisy truck in front of me, um, 
let's talk about how your relationship became the framework for Share Share, and maybe you can speak to your individual strengths. It's funny you you say how our relationship became the framework because funny thing is Ty and I met in his salon um, a couple of decades ago, <laughs> and so how apropos is it that that we are doing this this startup thing together where we're uh, helping salon and barbershop owners operate at full capacity, right? You know, it, it's one of those things where you sit back and you, you think about, you know, life in in a, in a, in a different way, perspective wise. And then you get to this fast forward, fast forward years later and you say, man, we didn't even see that coming, you know, <laughs> to, to meet my wife in my salon, then to know that, you know, through that whole process, the support, uh, the the ideas, the, the, the things that you have to go through to to figure things out. It's, it's amazing. So, you know, my background, again, you know, been in this industry for uh, over two decades, almost three now, and, you know, have my doctorate in professional barbering and cosmetology. You know, I've ran a successful salon and barbershop, managed, hired, done all those things, you know, wrote a best-selling book. You, 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 can't, you can't make these things up when you're, when you're trying to change the industry, especially trailblaze, but at the end of the day, when you're disrupting an industry like we are, how do you do that yeah. and still maintain integrity and still maintain the trust, mm-hmm. still maintain the, the the natural foundation of where this industry is going? And one of those things that are disruptive in everybody's life today is tech. You know, we've been doing things so manually all our lives. And then when we got into the tech era, you know, things just got a little bit faster, got a little bit more efficient, got a little bit easier but yet it was disruptive to a lot of people who weren't ready for the change. And the beauty industry was not ready for the change when it came to the way we worked. You know, we always known that the brick and mortar salon was the way that clients were able to connect or the way that people were able to get in. Tech came in and disrupted that because now we realize that these licensed professionals are who the individuals like Courtney, like yourself, even like myself, when I go did other services in the hair, hair, nail, and skin industry that we're connected to the person that actually does the work. Yeah, you're loyal. And so that loyalty lies there. Mm-hmm. They're actually working at the place. Their loyalty lies with the place that they work at, but the customer's loyalty lies with the person that actually does the service mm-hmm. on them. And Share Share came at the time where the industry was going in that direction. And we started realizing that the licensed professional was a, was a business amongst themselves outside of just the the um the place that they work at yep. and we we started seeing the change even in our own salon and barbershop award-winning salon and barbershop where people weren't trying to you know um work under contracts work under mm-hmm. leases they wanted to work you know um well not work under commission they want to work under contracts uh whether it was their own business but also be their own boss, their own solopreneur. Yeah. So hence why the salons uh, spaces have come in, the studio salons and these solopreneurs, which we call them now, actually became that business. And we were just helping usher them. So after expanding and rebranding our salon, found that a young lady wanted to rent our space, moving from one uh, end of the, the city to the next mm-hmm. and said, you know what? I don't want to move my clients. They, they're not going to move with me. But if I'm able to stay in this part of town, you know, every uh, once every uh, every other week, then I'm able to maintain that clientele. And would would you allow me to work here uh, by the day? Not on contract, <laughs> not on commission. You know, I just need to to book your space if you would allow me, so I can maintain my clientele because they don't want to travel 
to where I'm going, mm-hmm. which is 45 minutes to an hour away. And, you know, I thought it was a joke. I went home and told my wife about it because I told the young lady, let me think about it. My <laughs> wife laughed about it. Said, I surely thought it was a joke. Who does that? And I said, <laughs> you know what? We had re- rebranded and expanded to suites and, and more open space. And I said, I'd rather make something rather than nothing. Yep. Went back the next day, met with her, told her that uh, I'm willing to do it. Had to think of a price really quick on how much I would charge her. I didn't want to break down the booth rent or the commission. So I said, you know, what premium charge would I put on this space? Mm-hmm. And came up with a number, told her about it, and she jumped on it. And I'm thinking, well, did I give her a higher enough price? <laughs> Should I charge her more? And it was an it was an exciting moment, but it's the it's the backstory that really sets things up. And yeah. having that experience with her over the, those two days, which was a Friday and Saturday, was amazing. She seemed like she was a part of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very in tune with the rules, very professional, cleaned yeah. up, did all the things that a team member would do uh, if they worked in your salon or barbershop. And after that experience, you know, she came back to me uh, a couple of days later and said, I need you to help me get into some other salons and, and mm. that are closer and near my other clients so I don't have to come back this far and I can kind of just work in between. And I was like, wow, why would you choose me to do that? She said, I love the, I love your professionalism, love your ownership. You come from the industry. You speak the language. And if I was to do it, you know, they would, the salons and barbershop owners would just hang up in my face. She said, you mm-hmm. can actually call on my behalf. Yep. speak to them, let them know your experience. And I was like, wow, great idea. I wasn't thinking about it going three years <laughs> manually, help me and my wife, you know, helping her and the friends and all the other people that were liking what she was doing through social media. Right. But that's what happened. You know, the backstory, it was a problem we were trying to solve for ourselves. Right. And we ended up helping another stylist. And then we ended up helping the friends of the friends of the friends, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And that's what Share Share came to be blossomed as today. And so we're sitting at, at a Chipotle at this point in time, Holly, because um, we were eating lots of rice and beans. And the reason being is we were starting to contemplate, okay, so if we continue to get these phone calls and we're serving as like this concierge service, you know, Ty was like serving as the agent, right? We get a phone call and someone would say, hey, I need a spot in Miami, Florida for Wednesday, Thursday. This is my price range. These are the amenities. It's the kind of salon or barbershop culture that I really need for my particular clientele. And then we go start dialing for dollars. And so we're sitting in Chipotle and Ty says, you know what? This needs to be an app. I was like, okay, well, what would the app look like? And so he's literally drawing on a napkin every screen of the Shearshare app. Um, And lo and behold, that actually became our MVP. I remember sitting across a table from this third-party engineering firm because we had tried to go out and and ask friends of ours who were CTOs and, and, and in the tech industry, hey, would you love to join this journey, this crazy startup journey with us? And, and being um, in Texas, McKinney, Texas, there aren't a lot of people who are interested in jumping ship, at least not back then. This was like 2012 area, um, but now it's a little bit different. And so um, so we said, okay, well, we tried to go out and, and, and kind of formulate a, a founding CTO. That's not working for us. We know that this is a very real problem. Um, it feels like it's, it's a, a huge problem, although people would say, you know, the riches are in the niches. Uh, and we were just dedicated to solve it because we had seen how we were helping to keep the small business brick and mortars open, how we were helping to get um, stylists to work who were just coming out of school or who maybe had made a transition from one city to the next or down the street and around the corner. And they uh, wanted to make sure they had the best client experience possible. 
And so as we're drawing on the napkin, we slide it across the table to this third party engineering firm. They say, oh, okay, well, it looks like you've done, um, you've given us plenty of directional data. You know, we can go off and, and at least build you guys an MVP. And that was what we, we launched with. So we launched the ShareShare app in, in 2017, and today I'm so very happy to say that we're in more than 750 cities um, across the U.S., and, and they're still growing, right? Small businesses are everywhere. Salons and, and barbershops are in every um, small town, big town, metropolitan area. And the services industry, I just read a report this morning about the services industry being the largest industry to rebound post-COVID. And so we're starting to see the numbers shift even more. And when people get into this industry, they get into it because they're super creative. They um, love to make people feel and look amazing. And they're they're not really thinking about the things that you have to do from behind the chair. And so, yes, today, Sheer Share is affectionately known as HairBnB. Um, but what, we're, what we want to do, what we aim to do is to provide that economic mobility for individual professionals in this industry, whether you sit on the salon owner side or on the stylist side. And we're providing those tools to you on a pay-as-you-go basis. That's really the nuts and bolts of it. It's an incredible model. I just have to say, Thank it you. really is incredible. Um, make sure you capture hairbnb.com and dot, <laughs> we dot <have>. club, <laughs> dot co, dot book, dot D, everything. the whole thing, because <laughs> you and Ty will be writing a second book and, um, just recapture that, uh, as, as one slightly tech person to, you guys are probably more tech than me at this point. Um, well now we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's so interesting. It, it is, uh, strangely like a B2B model. Um, but you know, we all underwent a lot of change. I'm, I'm going to actually dial into something that you spoke about a little bit going in, coming out of COVID, but going into COVID, uh, it kind of rocked your model a little bit and you ended up, um, not, not shifting away from what you did, but maybe leaning into your strengths in, um, in having developed community and you recognized that there were, um, things happening that needed to be addressed immediately and it wasn't cutting hair. I think you had gotten into the PPE business. Could I ask you to reflect on that a little bit? Yeah. And I first, before I let Courtney speak on that, you know, uh, we have to realize, you know, a lot of times when we talk about disruption, disruption comes in a lot of different ways. And I think what we were doing that was disruptive, not just to the in industry, but also to the community of, of this of this profession, because it's so segmented. You know, yeah. we deal with a lot of solopreneurs, but a lot of them don't have the acumen as well as they have the skills. So we were helping these licensed professionals from behind the chair. Uh, we knew that there were things that they needed. We knew that there were things that, you know, um, legislature do not uh, understand or respect about what we do. And they think it's just a hobby outside <laughs> of it being a profession. So we we dialed in, we pivoted and we understood. And a lot of that understanding comes from being in the industry, doing the work, owning, you know, hiring, doing the taxes, having the bank accounts you know, uh, having the life insurance, being able to understand that even though we're a business amongst ourselves, we have to operate as if we are a business. An enterprise. An enterprise yeah. business. Yeah. And so those are the things that I feel like I can I can hone in on. You got so many different people in this industry that, that focus on skills, that focus on uh, other things like that. And then you got a lot of 
uh, owners owners of schools. But we really need to realize that it, the acumen is going to have to be just as much in the business realm of it as it is in the skill set of it. Yeah. Now, of course, COVID was, was not comfortable for anyone, right? With all of the stay-at-home mandates, that meant immediately that the salons and barbershops were closed. Um, so our revenue went to zero. Now, you know, I say that kind of flippantly um, for a couple of reasons. One, Ty and I have been in this industry for going on three decades now, 30 years. And so we've seen a lot, right? We've seen Ebola. We've seen Y2K. We've seen the 2007, 2008 recession. We've seen a lot and have lived through it. And one thing that we do know is that the beauty and barber industry always rebounds. It's like that boomerang that comes back even stronger, right? And we're starting to see that already with the pent-up demand. Um, you're never going to see a movie or a red carpet or a prom or a wedding without uh, one of the licensed cosmetologists and barbers actually having their head, their hands in someone's head or on their nails or on their skin. Um, and so, again, this is one of those evergreen industries. And so um, although revenue went to zero, I think a lot of other people would have been completely shocked and appalled and said, oh, okay, I'm out of here. There's no way out of this uh, particular path forward. Uh, but we said, no, we, we know that it's going to come back. And what we can do in the meantime is make sure that we're doing all that we can uh, to ensure that our community is stabilized. And so how we went about doing that, as Ty mentioned, is that we just turned our sights outward. And we said, hey, you know, community, what do you need right now? And I mean, the calls, the chats, the emails that we got were pretty much I just need to figure out how to keep uh, money in my bank account so I can keep food on the table. It was that basic. And so we said, okay, let's go to work. So our entire team, instead of taking service and support calls about sheer share stays or helping people get matched to the perfect location to service their clientele, we said, all right, let's start educating people on how to apply for these um, PPP funds, how to get the EIDLs, um, how to transition aspects of their business to an online model. Um, how to sell their products on the ShareShare platform, right? Because they can't, they may have a phenomenal indie product that may not get shelf space and target from day one, but they can sure as heck sell um, on the ShareShare platform. Um, and, and so we were, we were really diving deep into the education of it all. And then on the flip side of that, we're saying, all right, so as we all start to climb out of COVID, we know we don't see a way forward yet. We don't know when things are going to open back up. But these are the things that as a small business owner, you must pay attention to. Things that Ty, Ty was just written up in, in Forbes, or no, in Inc. Magazine about um, the impact of relationships with your banker, right? Like something as simple as that, like why it's important to have a face with a name and not just say, oh, I bank at Bank of America or Chase or uh, one of the other banks, right? Like you have to have a name, like I, my banker is Doug or Ty or Courtney or Holly. Um, and we saw the impact of that when people were stressed out about how to even apply for PPP. Um, everything was so automated and there was no human kind of interaction with that. And, and granted, the numbers were huge. So I, I kind of understand that. But we said, how can we best support our, the community that has fed us for the last 30 years? And that's exactly what we what we did. Um, that ended up bringing so many more eyeballs to the Sheer Sheer community. We grew our community in that. And it's all because we were giving back to a community that has continued to, to feed our family. You know, it's so interesting culture always seems to come down to, you know, the root system of my conversations. And I've shifted over time from just focusing on company culture because there's so many other stories out there that um, touch it no matter what. And 
It's so interesting to me. I keep actually circling back to community and partnerships and relationships. And it's really, if you're going to have good, good company culture, um, good um, business culture, if you're going to have anything that is, is decent and thrives, it is going to come down to those relationships. It is going to come down to those strong partnerships. And I love that you demonstrated such a profound level of leadership and care in sitting down with all of the people that were a part of ShareShare and asking them what their needs were in that moment and then becoming the boots on the ground to kind of shift your business to get them through that piece of time till we could, you know, all get vaccinated and maybe go back to semi-normal. But I think that's just such, says so much to, um, also to your experience, because you started off more, you know, hands-on and, and you know, with your community um, before you became a tech company. And you can never take the people out of the tech if you do it right. I never forget uh, the quote Maya Angelou says. She says, uh, people will forget uh, what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Mm. It was an extreme, it was of extreme importance that we reached out to our users. Yeah. You know, social media uh, will will fool you to make you think, okay, well, the media is in there and you're social. It doesn't give you direct connection. It doesn't yet build a relationship. It's not as, as pure. It's not as granular uh, to get to know someone, you know, right then. People want to hear the spirit of your voice. They want to hear a connection. Uh, they don't want to hear a bot. You know, one of the things that we are very, very keen on with this industry is that, you know, we don't sit at our stations or in our suites with with laptops. We're on our phones. We're, we're direct connections through mail, through mailers, mailers. And so we have to reach them the way that they're used to being reached. But at the same time, implement what's coming, which is technology and outside of just booking apps, outside of just, you know, things that are helping them with their uh, customer service but also connect them with where they work, where they yeah. where they do their, their best work. And, and that's in the salon, barbershop, mm-hmm. with the accoutrements. You know, these technology apps cannot help them being in their garage, being in their kitchen, being in a hotel. You have to be able to connect with people in a community, in an ecosystem where they understand that there is a level of trust, there is a level of dignity, and there's a level of care. Mm-hmm. And so our support team is not a bot. It's a real person. We, we speak about this and how we have to be able to help this community in the language that they know and the way that they know and make them feel super important. I tell them good, bad or indifferent, anything that they need to know, understand or gripe about, take it in mm-hmm. and don't even worry about it because it's something that everyone's struggling with something different. And so you got to meet them where they're at. Yeah, that's so good. And, and I love, Holly, how you said, you know, the, the topic always comes back to community, right? Um, and and it's very interesting um, to look at how different companies or how different people, how we all just handle um, situations that are 
the most uncomfortable. And so for us, we did what we would do, um, you know, being married co-founders um, and having a family and having a son who's a 20 year old um, second year cadet and football player at the Air Force Academy. You know, when he was home, you know, we have a difficult conversation or we have a topic that we need to breach as a as a three person family. We would have a family meeting and we'd ask each other, like, what's going on? Like, how can we best serve you? How can we better support this family member or that family member? And so for us, it was just second nature for us to do the exact same thing to our community of share share hosts and stylists was to say, hey, this suck kind of sucks right now, but what can we do to help you guys? What what's in our power to make this a little bit easier to deal with? Even if it was just sharing information, um, we even would put out. Um, like a video recording of how to apply for the EIDL, like exactly what to type into the browser, what things to click on. And it was just something that simple that really helped people to see, okay, you know, when this company says that they are, um, you know, community over competition and they're for stylists, by stylists, and they really are um, in this thing with us because they come from the industry. It was such an easy conversation to have because they always know that we're going to have their best interests at heart. I really am astonished, um, you know, the level of care and and handholding really with all the solopreneurs. Like, it, it's really, it's actually heartwarming. And I think, um, it's a- allowing you to grow and scale, which is so interesting because uh, although you're a tech company, you're avoiding the bot. And I, and I like that actually, I think, I think there's maybe, well, I'd like to say maybe there's a time and a place for it. Um, I, I personally hate them, but, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard in our industry to, you know, to have a, a bot experience. Like if you just think about the service provider, like maybe nails that I could see potentially making that a little bit easier, but like no mother of a toddler is going to ever put, you know, their child in a chair and and allow a robot to take a pair of shears to their hair, right? Like, like things like that just won't happen. And so because that's not the normalcy in our industry um, and how the service provider provides that particular service to the end consumer, um, you know, it just was very foreign to us. And human connection is, is, is important. It's it's utterly important. And then just the touch uh, yes. To know that someone is actually doing something and you're getting the results that you're actually not having to type in. You're getting it mm-hmm. you know, firsthand. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I first started in this industry, I would always tell my clients, I am you. You tell me what you want. I'm <laughs> going to give you the best services if I am the client that's receiving it. Yeah. I'm just actually the client. That's, I'm just actually the stylist that, and barber just, that's doing it. And so you have to have that human connection. And plus, it's just something about just being in the chair and being around someone that understands you from an emotional standpoint, because people go through stuff every day. So you're putting your hands in their head and that's a massage and and you're getting that, that, that conversation, Mm -hmm. that, that calmness that most people need. It's a getaway. It's a retreat. So, you know, whether it's a man, whether it's a child, whether it's a woman who's going to just hang out with her girls or whether it's a guy going to a barbershop where they're talking sports or whether it's a kid that's just going into a barbershop and they're sitting him in a in a kitty chair and letting him uh, watch TV. All these things are retreats for the human mm-hmm. kind where, you know, a robot just can't fulfill that 
you know, that human touch and that human spirit. Yeah. Speaking of touch, you know, there's so many studies that are done on um, the, the beauty and barbering industry because there is energy and there is healing in that human touch. Right. And so, you know, all of us could use, I think, a little bit more of that, especially in a post-COVID world. Oh, for sure. I miss my hairstyles. I moved to DC recently and I, I miss my, uh, my, my, my guy, Jesse, who used to do the best <laughs> head massage when he was, uh, washing my hair. And you, and see, so you know, you know him by name. You're like, mine is Crystal and she's been my hairstylist for gosh, more than 16 years now, wherever Crystal goes, I will go. Like I see Crystal more often than I see my dentist, my OBGYN, our attorney. I mean, that's a relationship relationship, you know, that is as part and parcel of a very, and a very important aspect of my, my life. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, let me, let me dial into a little something here because obviously there's a lot of the one-on-one and the partnerships between all of the, you know, solopreneurs that work with you, um, and around you, but you're starting to scale and you're starting to look at partnerships in a bigger way. And I think we spoke a little bit about Lloyd's of London um, on our previous call. Could I ask you to maybe tell that story a little bit for the listeners? Oh, yeah. Well, I will say that it was not an overnight success, right? You know, when, when something launches out, it seems like, oh, they just asked Lloyd's to do that. And all of a sudden it became real. Um, this was like a two-year conversation that we had with um, the beautiful folks over at Lloyd's of London, going back and forth on what type of insurance product we wanted to provide to the Shear Shear community. Because, um, you know, when you think about insurance, for one, it's not a very sexy topic. And it's not something that people say, I'm getting into business. And the first thing I'm going to do is go buy insurance. Um, and then on top of that, for our industry, professional liability insurance is not always required, depending on the state that you live in. And so we started having these conversations with Lloyd's because we were reading about what they had done for the folks over at Airbnb. And we said, okay, you know, that's great that, you know, you, you provided the $1 million per Airbnb stay. Totally get that. That makes sense for us. Yeah, although our salon and barber shop and spa owners already have to carry um, insurance because they have a brick and mortar. Um, so we, yes, we want that. But also, can you provide to the independent stylist professional liability insurance by the day? And we only want it to cost five bucks. <laughs> and, and they said, well... Let's think about that. There, there's no precedent um, that we have where we've ever done that before, um, nor have we done this for your particular industry. Um, but we totally understand the way that the sharing economy is going, the way that the gig economy is going. We see the writing on the wall where people come out of a pandemic and they end up wanting to do more independent work. So becoming these solopreneurs instead of having a quote unquote nine to five. And let's talk about it. And again, this is how you disrupt. This is how mm -hmm. you come in and you not only you know give people the answers to the test, but you also give them the tools. And so to have a million dollars coverage for five dollars per booking per <laughs> day, Crazy. you can't get that. Anything could happen. Lord forbid someone lose their life. Lord forbid a building burn and you a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand is not going to be enough. And so anything liable to happen, you know, you can, you know, mess up a white chair with red color, you could <laughs> blow out a circuit breaker, you know, you the, and, and or slip and fall, yeah. anything could happen. So you want to make sure not only are the people on your platform safe and secure, but you also want them to know that the platform cares about you. 
how many times have you gotten into an Uber car and didn't like the driver or didn't like, you know, the experience and, mm-hmm. and then couldn't and couldn't blame the driver, <laughs> even though you wanted to. But you but Uber responded to your rating or review and mm-hmm. said, you know, how can we help? And they were and they take the onus on themselves. We don't have a problem with us taking the yeah. onus because we know at the end of the day, the platform is what people are going to trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even a step further. So, you know, now an independent stylist can come to the share share platform, you know, make or keep more of their hard earned money because they're renting without having to sign a contract or working by commission. They're booking that professional workspace by the day. Now they can also layer on again for $5 a day, professional liability insurance from the leading insurance provider in the entire world. And and how we're thinking about the next step is breaking down every aspect of the B2B tools that we already know that you're going to need because we've been doing this for quite some time. Those challenges that we had, the uh, bumps and bruises and the trips and falls that we have um, stories to tell and failures to to talk about. And we want to be able to lower the barrier to entry for anyone who's who really is truly passionate about making um, a living in this industry. And so think about retail sale through. Think about portable benefits. Think about taxes and accounting. I mean, all those things that we know that you need from behind the chair. Again, we want to be able to provide it to you from the share share platform within this larger ecosystem um, where you can pay as you go so that you can continue to grow your business as you want to grow it. So are you doing that now or is that the next step for your for sure, sure. Oh, there are many conversations if you only knew Holly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, that was my next question. So it sounds like you're working on it. So I, I won't ask. working on it. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, that's that's a great way for me to to segue because I was going to say, well, what's next for sure, sure? And it sounds like that's what is next. That's right. That's right. Well, you guys are amazing. I, I've really enjoyed this time with you, and I'm so happy that you came on Culture Factor 2.0. Um, how how does everybody get in touch with you? Yeah, um, people can find us at shearshare.com online. Um, our app is free to download, so please tell your nail tech, your hairstylist, your braider, your microblading artist, your massage therapist, your makeup artist, all about Shearshare. It's free download on both Android and iOS, and we're on all uh, social platforms just at Shearshare. Well, that's fantastic. You guys are amazing. I'm so Thank glad you. to have met you and spent this time with you. We're glad to have come. You know, we're glad you've you've been awesome, uh, and and we're so glad to have platforms like yours that we can share our story. Oh, thank you. I, I look forward to seeing uh, what you what you do next. So uh, keep me posted, and we will um, when we launch the podcast. Um, I'm sure if people have questions, we'll be able to engage a little further with the listeners there. But now they know how to reach you directly as well. Please do. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you.